Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the technique so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. To this week's podcast, my name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host. This is where we carry on our interview with Chris, who last week was talking about his work at the NHS. And this week we shift gears and we start to explore how he's been using NLP within dog training and more specifically, training people in dog agility. So back to the interview. Now, I know your other passion. Thank you for sharing your insights with, your, your, with what you do for the, during the day. Uh, but I also know one of your other passions is dog training. Oh, yes. And uh, you've been talking about how you've been using NLP within the dog training. So I would be very keen to hear some of your insights of how you've used it in a completely different way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually train dog agility handlers. That's, um, I've, I've got dogs myself. I've got, only got six dogs at the moment. Um, only six? Only six. And the thing, when I'm training my own dogs, the thing to remember is, of course, that dogs are always like young children. They never really grow up. Um, And so always emphasizing the positive things they do and ignoring the negative, it's so easy to train a dog. Um, And effectively, I do the same thing when I'm training a handler. I do give them feedback. You know, feedback is really important um, but also constructive criticism and, and people actually like just like dogs they like to know what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong um, so when we're teaching dog agility handlers which is actually a really complicated um, event it's it's quite a, a wide, widespread sport these days teaching the handler uh, and they all get frustrated at some point particularly when they're just starting off, we need to overcome that. So um, using the NLP skills to just reassure them that firstly, everybody's been through what they've been through. Um, And also just to bear in mind that practice and repetition make perfect. So what I guess then is there's there's several stages as you take in a handler and they're learning the skills of the uh, the dog agility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just an overview before we start to explore how you've used NLP. What, the, what would you say are the main stages, somebody going from brand new to this? Would I call it a sport or would it be... Oh, it's very much a sport. Uh, yeah. so, this, so approaching this sport, what would be the stages we go through and the challenges? Uh, yeah, um, the, the, the first thing that we need to do is, of course, have some basic obedience. Um, the handler must be able to recall the dog. 
Um, have a good oh, so it's the dog obedience, not the handle obedience. No, oh, well, both really. Um, I have on occasion come across handlers who got so frustrated that they started to take it out on the dog, you know, and, uh, not physically, because that would not go down well, no. but, you know, start to worry that the dog's the, the one that's at fault, when actually it's the dog only does what the handler asks it to do uh, all the time. You know, if, if you do something slightly wrong, then the dog will go wrong. So basic obedience for dog, absolutely. But basic obedience and politeness for the handler. Get a polite handler, you get a polite dog. Right. Uh, yeah. And and then actually teaching all the the requirements of agility. That is that is a long process. You know. So um, the first stage is ob- obedience. Yeah. And and then you go into the different um, techniques that you would use with dogs and um, different tricks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and and there's a hell of a lot to learn. It's important not to get frustrated. And every dog and every handler is different. Okay, so so keeping that all in mind, how have you been using the NLP within this situation? Okay, well, in many ways, it's it's very similar. You know, if you understand the way that the client, the dog handler, likes to learn, you can modify your teaching style to accept that and, and enhance the process. Um, we all like to do things slightly differently. So listening to the language, again, it's, it's building rapport, having that working alliance, um, understanding what they want from the sport is really important. If it's somebody who's coming along just to do something with the dog and isn't actually interested in competing, great, you know, that person probably is going to be doing their dog a power of good, uh, whereas somebody who might be over-competitive might not be doing so well, so very often we need to bring them back down to earth and say, actually, this is being done for the dog. And when you get it all right, yes, you will win things, but um, but to reel them in a little bit. Right. So, yeah. so you mentioned about the different ways that people process information. Any particular examples bring out to mind where you, you had to adjust your own style to fit their way of processing? Oh, yeah, very much. Um, some handlers are, handlers are very, how can I say, gregarious or loud and really excited. Um, so the dog is really excited and wants to do it. And other handlers are very softly spoken, uh, very quiet, don't like to make too much fuss. And therefore, quite often, the dog will either do the same sort of thing or get frustrated with them. So... Um, if I were to behave in a loud, shouty, excited manner to some of those quieter handlers, they really wouldn't like it. Um, so I need to adjust my tone, my approach, uh, just to work towards their level of understanding um, or the way they like to learn to, to make a difference to them, really. Uh, it, it can be quite difficult because... I like to do my dogs up when I'm working. I like to be excited about it and fast. Um, so for me to actually slow down and be a little bit quiet and a little bit more tame, uh, it's difficult, but I do manage. 
right? A- any uh, ideas or tips that you've got being able to sort of slow down for us that like to speak fast and can be quite enthusiastic when we communicate with somebody who maybe is a little bit more reserved, let's say? Yeah. Um, take a breath in between saying a couple of words. So everything slows down. Be aware of your breathing. Um, be aware of your gestures. Spend time just looking at the person you're talking to. Um, maybe take a couple of breaths in between each each sentence. It uh, it all helps to slow things down. And, and after a couple of minutes, you, you get into the rhythm. Notice the uh, breathing patterns of the other person, so that you you, you synchronise with the person you're talking to. And and think you can think yourself into their way of thinking and, and behaving. Even adopt their mannerisms, um, and you start to understand their point of view a little bit more. What they're looking at, uh, it, it does work. It works very well, in fact. You make it sound very much like a hypnotic induction. Uh, yes, true. It, actually, yes, it is very true. It is very similar to hypnotic inductions, um, and, and I guess. I actually use those quite a bit as well, um, both within the NHS, within dog trip at home, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> giving away too much there, John. <laughs> yeah, you'll be in trouble with your partner. <laughs> no, she's aware. She's very much aware. So, no. Um, yeah, quite, quite often it is, it is that getting into the other, other person's mindset, how they behave, and, and to see it from others' point of view. Right. Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show, the NLP Practitioner Training, designed to transform your life. Attend the first day completely free. Find out more. Head over to the website to secure your place with the next NLP Practitioner. So we talked about some of the tricks. So is there a trick that you have found that seems to be more challenging training the handlers to be able to do and what NLP skills have you used to help with that? Mm. Yeah. Um, Believe it or not, sometimes getting the dog to just sit and wait at the start line when the dog's really excited to go and there's lots going on. Um, So, from the NLP, we, we want the handler to understand what the dog is thinking. So this involves body posture, um, breathing right. We, we know that there's going to be explosive activity at some point, but we need to control it. So tone of voice, um, maintaining eye contact with the dog so that it doesn't want to go until you take its up your eyes off it. Um, or, yeah, I, I would say body posture is probably the most important one. When when training the handler to do that, asking them to actually put themselves in the mind of the dog, which, which is very often what we do. Um, 
to even go and sit in the position of the dog. So you're looking at a perceptual position type technique, I suppose. Thinking yes. about it. Yeah. <laughs> so if I said to you, what do you mean, put my mind inside the dogs? What, what, how would you guide me to, to become a dog? Yeah, okay, good question. Right, well, firstly, you need to be able to see the world as the dog sees it. So you need to get down quite low on the ground. It changes things. Um, you know, when you see children running around looking up all the time, and you think, oh, that's got to be bad for the neck, but that's the growth process. Well, dogs are in that situation for their entire life. So, very often when when walking in a, a competition course, for example, I will crouch down and see what the dog is seeing. I'm standing four foot higher than my dog, so I see the course differently. So by crouching down, I see the world in completely different eyes. Um, I'm also listening out for what's going on around me and, and what might be distracting to the dog. Um, when it comes to various obstacles, I will actually crouch down and see what the dog is seeing when it comes away from that obstacle. So by using my body posture, I actually put myself into that dog's position. And I can start thinking about the things that would be attracting my attention if I were actually a dog. And, and yeah, I, again, hypnotic trance is very effective. You can imagine yourself in that position. So a question about that, um, partly because you, you are the eye guy, is... The position of dogs' eyes are different from ours so, yeah, in relation yeah. to their head. So does that affect the way they see the world? Very much so. Their peripheral vision is, is much greater than ours. They can almost see directly behind. Not quite, but almost, depending on the breed. Yes. Um, so whilst they do have good focused vision, uh, foveal vision, uh, it, it only really comes into play when they're really close to something, so their peripheral vision is much enhanced. So they, they see the world in a different way to the ones that we do. Um, however, if, if we can practice to improve our uh, peripheral vision, and, and again, that is, you know, thinking about it, thanks for the question, <laughs> it's, it's one of the things we aim to get agility handlers to improve is their peripheral vision. When they're running around a course with their dog and there's 20 obstacles, we don't really want them running into obstacles. We want them to be aware of what is happening all around them. We can't do that with phobial vision. So peripheral vision is, is a vital, um, vital aspect of how we work. And as we know, we can do exercises to improve that, um, to improve our peripheral vision. It's, it's yes. really quite easy to do. So it sounds like uh, some of the things we were exploring on the NLP Master Practitioner where modelling human excellence can be applied to various different areas. And one of, mm -hmm. in this case, going into the mindset of the dog, so crouching <laughs> yeah. down, um, understanding how their eyes work and that they're much stronger peripheral vision. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, modelling excellence, yeah. Um, if ever you get the chance to visit a dog agility show, you might get bored after a couple of hours, but it would be worth looking at the championship rings and the, the higher grade handlers. There's always crowds around those rings, people watching. 
to see how they do things. Um, so from somebody who knows nothing about this, what would I be looking out for if I go to one of these these shows and the rings mm. that you talked about? Yeah. Um, the first thing you'd notice is how the handler is working with the dog before they entered the ring. Uh, the preparation stage for competition, uh, we, we call it working in. Um, and it does vary from handler to handler, but they will have a routine that they go through each and every competition. Um, following that, the, the way they enter the ring, they, it's, they do it the same time, the same manner, same mannerisms every time they enter the ring. So that's a uh, form of anchoring, would you say? Very much a form of anchoring. I'll, I'll give you a quick example of um, a lady well-known in dog agility. When she's waiting to enter the ring, the dog will be sat to her, to her left side. When she enters the ring, and she will stand very much upright, looking around the ring, the uh, body won't be moving, but her head will be. She'll take the lead off the dog, she'll fold the dog's lead up, and then she'll simply throw it on the ground behind her. You know, as if, what was the point of folding it up? But that's her routine, so that's her anchor to that point. Um, she will then walk away from the dog, she'll give it a quick hand signal to sit, walk away from the dog, get to a place in the ring where she'll again look around, and then that's when she starts. But you know, it is that, that routine, it's that anchor. Um, she leaves all the baggage that she's got from whatever ha else is happening in the day that's left outside the ring. Excellent. Chris, thank you ever so much for taking the time out on a Saturday as we're recording this. Uh, I know you're very busy. No problem. And uh, for sharing. That if somebody had any questions, so maybe they were a clinical technician themselves and would like to ask some questions or maybe a doctor or consultant, well, yeah. even somebody involved in dogs, maybe the dog handling, and I know you are also a judge at these shows as well. That's right, yes. If they had a question, would you be happy to answer them? I realise I'm putting uh, you on the spot. No, of course, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that, that would be fun, actually. And do you have a website at the moment? I don't. I don't have the website up and running at present. So um, if I gave you access to our website and anybody answered any questions, they could do so on our website and you would get back to them? I sure would, yeah, absolutely. That's very kind. And I realise I put you on the spot, but I know how genuine you are and you really seem to want to make a difference in people's lives, which I think comes through, uh, i.e. in the work that I've seen you do on the courses, but also your passion about helping people within your professional life at the NHS and also in the dog handling. Thank you, John. You know, I, I have a firm belief that whatever we do, it should be fun, and NLP really is fun to do. It's... Um, it's great, and, and thank you for your, all your input and effort. Oh, it's been a real pleasure, Chris. Uh, it's, it's been a real honour to know you, and I can testify to the fact that you bring humour and fun into the training room. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy that last course. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I thank hope you... Oh, oh, sorry, go Chris, on. go for it. No, I'll just say thank you very much, John, for this morning. It was good fun. A real pleasure. So I hope you found that useful and I'm looking to explore and tap into the wonderful resource that we have of our students who have been attending our course 
And what, what I think is great about it is that it gives us a chance to hear how NLP is being applied in the real world. So until next time, keep in touch. If you've got any questions, please do let us know. Uh, if any questions for me, let me know. And any questions for Chris, I know Chris is more than happy to help. And see you next time. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro linguistics, programming, and beyond.